You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. All right, all right. Well, this morning, everybody, we are going to look at our next um, legendary faith hero. And I'm going to ask you to turn with me over to the book of Ruth, okay? Book of Ruth, come on. Got some, oh yeah, maybe I should, I'm going to teach back through the book of Ruth again. I just love the book of Ruth. Well, today I want to I want to preach a message to you that I think um, if you lean in, uh, you're going to get a lot out of it. I, I think that this is actually like some of you are here right now. You're like, I don't, even, I, I don't know. I just woke up today. I thought I'd go to church. Some of you, like you don't even know like why you're here. Like maybe you just felt like you're just crying out. You really need something. And I want to tell you right now, you're here because God wants to speak to your heart. God wants to encourage you today. God's got a word for you today. And I really think that this is a, a, a message is going to be a shift for some of you. That, that, that this is a word that God's been trying to, trying to speak to you. And, and maybe you, you, you had so many other distractions and so many things that had just been, been blocking this out. But you need to hear it today. And guys, here's, here's what I want to talk to you about today as we look at Ruth. Like if she could teach us anything, she could run with us. And, and, and part of it, before I, I know I'm, I'm building attention, but I'm gonna get there in a second. But part of it is, this is what God intends, is for these faith heroes that have gone on before us to, to now turn to us and, and encourage us. You know, over in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews 11 is known as the hall of faith. If you haven't read the Hebrews 11, I really encourage you to go and read through Hebrews 11. Um, do it for homework. Everyone got homework tonight, all right? Hebrews 11. And you're gonna read all these stories about walls of Jericho falling, like God shutting the mouths of the lion down in the lion. You, you see all these faith stories of how God worked through men and women of faith. And then you get over to Hebrews chapter 12. And, and here's what Hebrews chapter 12 says. It says this. Hebrews 12 says, since therefore we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, Hebrews, Hebrews 12 is attached to Hebrews 11 and it's saying, it starts with therefore. You always heard me say when you see what the word therefore, you got to ask what it's Therefore, it's a good, good, good study principle. Because there's all of these stories, because there's all this history, because God has moved in, in times past through many women of faith. That's always how he moves. Whenever God's gonna do something on the planet, he's gonna do it through many women who say yes in faith. Because God has done all that, he now says, therefore, since we're surrounded by all that witness, there's also a, a way to interpret this that not only is the story a witness to us, but the fact that they're actually in heaven right now. Like, they're a crowd of witnesses. In other words, they're watching you right now. Like, Noah's watching you run your race. Uh, uh, Ruth is up there watching you run, run your race, right? Noah's like, hey, I know what it's like. When God asks you to do something, you don't understand, and then you do it for a really long time, and he hasn't talked to you in a long time. You just keep doing what he told you to do. I, I know what it's like. Keep going, keep going, keep going. So since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Like, let's stop messing around. Let, let's, let's cut away from the things that are slowing us down and let us run with perseverance the race that he has marked out for us. That was their race. This is your race. And if Ruth can tell us anything today, she'd come out of this you know, stands, been watching us from a distance. Is she going to run a lap with you? Here's what she said. Look at me, look at me. Here's the Spirit of God who would say to you, look, don't. Come on. Write it down. 
taking notes in church. You got to like, good job, good job. Don't, like, don't give up. Come on, like, don't give up. God, we pray as we get into your word today that you'd help us to just to understand what it is you want to say to us. And God, I pray that you would anoint me to preach your word, but I pray that God, you'd anoint us to hear your word. That we would receive it, Lord, and that by it we'd be changed. We're not sitting here on an accident. God, you do want to speak to us. And so help us to lean into what you want to say. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone agreed together and said a good, hearty, amen, amen. If Ruth could tell us anything, she would say, dear church, dear individual, don't give up. Turn your neighbor and say, don't give up. Tell them, say, don't give up. Come on, church, talk, 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 talk. Don't give up, don't give up. Ruth's a girl who has this faith to just keep moving, to just keep going, to, to push through obstacles, to never give up. And I love her faith. It's, it's inspiring. And I think that through her faith, God is saying to us the same thing. Don't give up. Don't give up. Do you know that in Christ, God has, God has plans for your life? God has, well, the Bible says good plans for our life. He has great things for our life. In Christ, listen, there is so much ahead of you. Like there's future ahead of you. And I, I use the verse all the time, but I'm gonna do it again. Jeremiah 29, 11, because it's just that good. For I know the plans I have toward you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Keep that up there for me for a second. Do you see it says plans three times? Come on, listen, God's got plans. Everybody? God's got plans. God's got plans for your life and it's a future and it's a hope, they're good plans. I mean, it's all over the pages of scripture, the, the, the great things that God has planned for you. He's got plans for you as an individual. God's got plans for our church. God's got plans for our city. God's got good plans for our nation. He got good plans for your family. God has good plans that he has planned out. And our job, according to Ephesians, we won't get on that, is just to walk in those plans. And do you know what the greatest threat to us not living in the plans of God is? It's the temptation to quit. It's a temptation to give up. It's a temptation to give in. It's a, it's a temptation to throw in the towel and, and just to start thinking it, it, it's, it's not worth it. And anytime, listen, I know this is gonna be, this is gonna be an aha moment, but anytime we choose to quit, we're also choosing to fall short. Listen, anytime we choose to give up and to give in, anytime we choose just to, well, I can't keep moving. Well, if you don't keep moving, then you're never gonna move into what it is God has planned for you. The, the greatest threat to you living in the plans that God has is, is just you wanting to give up and you wanting to quit, that, that, that temptation. You know, there's, there's a... Um, there's a story told, not a story, it's a true story, told of this, this let me restart that. There's not a story told. There's, there's a woman by the name of Florence Chadwick, okay? Florence actually grew up here in, in San Diego. This is like in the 1940s, 1950s. She's a swimmer and uh, won all sorts of swimming races and medals and everything else. And then someone actually challenged her to start swimming long distance, to take that gift that she had and just start swimming crazy distances. And, 
And so she, she had swam some in London. And, swam, and then they challenged her to swim from our coast right here, California coast, and, and to swim all the way over to Catalina Island. It's, it's, about, it's about 26, 27 miles, depending on where you start. And in the 1950s, she goes to try this, uh, this swim. And there's a boat that goes with her. Her mom's on the boat. You gotta have mom there. You gotta have mom on the boat, right? Going, come on, honey, you can do it. You can do it, right? And there's a whole crew. They're, they're watching for sharks and, and all this. And she sets out on this journey from our coast right here all the way to Catalina. Well, as she goes along, she's in this thing about 15, 16 hours of swimming when a, when a fog sets in that is so thick she could barely see the boat that's following her. She hears their voices, keep on going, you got this, but because there's such a thick fog and she's, she's, she's starting to get discouraged and, and she keeps yelling back, I don't think I can make it. I, I don't think I can do it. And, and, and eventually they allow her then to get on the boat and there they sit in this, in this thick fog and they're just, they're, they're helping her resuscitate. They're, they're getting her some, some fresh water and they're, they're starting just to talk and letting her heart rate come down. And as she's there being resuscitated in that boat, that fog begins to lift. And you guys, she was less than one one mile away from the shore, Catalina. Just one mile. But because of the fog and because of the doubt and because of the confusion and because she just couldn't see further than her, you know, what was right in front of her, guys, she gave up and she quit. And I just think that there's a lot of people right now that are closer than they could ever imagine. Like you are so close. But there's a fog and there's confusion and, 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 and you, you feel tired and you just can't see any further. So you just feel like quitting, giving up, going back, get me in the boat. But I'm telling you, you're closer than you think. I mean, we all feel like it from time to time, right? Like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel. I mean, it happens to the best of us. Come on, somebody, anybody, everyone ever feel like that? I felt like that from time to time, you know? It's called COVID. Man, you've been like with me? Like, if you ever like pastoring a church in COVID, you're just like, really? Like, this is crazy, right? And, and it gets tired. I'm glad we didn't quit, everybody. I'm glad we're still here. I'm glad we're still pushing. I'm, you know, I believe God has more, you know? I believe it. Like, there's, there's, I mean, you just, I'm not going to go down that road, but. I mean, you just got to keep going. You don't quit. We all have those days, and some of you, you come in here today and you're, man, you are there. You're literally about to call it quits. You're about to call it quits somewhere in your life. It's spiritually, it's emotionally. Like you, there, there's your marriage. It, I mean, you just feel in the way you're just about to call it quits. Some of you even just physically. I, I, there has been more. I have had more conversations with, with, with students and with those who have, who have been wrestling with bouts of depression and, and thoughts of suicide. It's all over our campuses. It's, this, is, this is the voice of the enemy. Quit. Just quit. Just give up. Just give in. And God has brought you here today to tell you that he gave you life. He's going to fill your life. He's going to sustain your life. Don't you quit. You keep going. You keep moving. And I'm telling you, friends, listen, you got to think about it like this. Your emotions are going to surge. Here's what happens in our world today. Can I, I just have, we have a bunch of interns. Where's the interns at? Are you in here? Come on. Whoop, whoop, let me hear you. Okay. We just had a conversation with a bunch of interns. I'm way off script, but I'm going to talk to you anyway. We had, a, we had a conversation with a bunch of interns, and, I, and one of the questions is, how do I deal with emotionalism? There's so much emotion right now. And everyone's in, 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 
it's one of the things Tate and I have talked about. There's just emotion in, 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 in this generation. We're making decisions based on emotion and what it feels like. And, and, and my gosh, you guys, listen to me. Listen to me. Emotions will surge. They're like, they're like waves on an ocean. Like they, they will push up, but they're, they're going to recede, and there'll be clarity after the emotion. Push through the emotion. Push, don't make decision in the emotion. Far too many poor decisions have been made in, in, in emotion, what it feels like. I feel like quitting. You don't have to bow to your emotion. Your emotion is a gauge you check, not a God you obey. You, you don't have to bow to what it feels like. Just because you feel like giving up doesn't mean you have to. Just because you feel like quitting doesn't mean you have to. Just because you, 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 you feel like you need to you know, throw in the towel doesn't mean you have to. You don't have to bow to the surge of emotion. It will recede. It will recede. And through it all, God is saying to you, don't give up. Don't quit. Keep going forward, keep moving. God's got plans, and the greatest threat to those plans is just this tempta temptation to, to give up. So, so we're gonna take some notes, and, and we're gonna learn from Ruth today who teaches us the, these, these principles. And so here's what I want you to write down. First thing is keep going, keep going forward from your past. Some of you just need to hear this. Like you just need to keep going forward from your past. You know, in, in the book of Ruth, and I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert. Like, what happens by the end of the book of Ruth? God's got amazing plans for Ruth. He's got incredible plans for her life. By the end of the book of Ruth, uh, she's gone on and she's ended up with a guy named Boaz. Now, come on, I'm telling you what, girls, he looks as good as he sounds, right? His name, Boaz. You don't mess with Boaz. Who's the boy with? My name's Boaz. Like, he's a stud. I just, she's going to end up with Boaz. She's going to have favor in the city of Bethlehem. She's going to have provision. She's going to be given birth to a child. I mean, there, there's, 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 there's future. There's hope. God has all of this in store for Ruth by the time you get to the end of it. I mean, she's going to end up, ladies and gentlemen, in the bloodline of Jesus. I mean, what happens here in the, in the book of Ruth is setting the stage for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. Big deal. This is beautiful. It's the plan of God. So say, God's got plans. God's got plans. That's how it ends. Spoiler alert. But can I tell you how it starts? Nothing like that. Here's how it starts. Ruth chapter one, verses one through five. It says, in those days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Not good so far. So a man from Bethlehem in Judea went with his wife and his two sons, and they went for a while to live in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. And they were Ephrates, or Ephrodites from Bethlehem, Judea, and they went to Moab to live there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, while they were in Moab, died and she was left, Naomi was left with her two sons, and they married Moabite women. Not good. We'll get into it in a second. One of them was named Orpah, and the other was Ruth. And after they had lived there about 10 years, Malon and Chilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the beginning of Ruth. It is bleak. It's dark. 
Like things don't look good. You got Naomi. And I love in Ruth how there's these, that each of these names has, has powerful meaning. Okay, so Naomi, her name means pleasant. Well, Pleasant is married to God as king. I mean, this is like Ken and Barbie, right? You're like, hello, my name's Pleasant, and this is God as king, right? So Naomi and Elimelech are living in Bethlehem, Judea. Bethlehem means house of bread. Judea is house of praise. So they're literally living in the, in the house of bread and praise. Now, we got a problem in Bethlehem. What's the problem? They're living in the house of bread and praise, and there's no bread. Funny. I'm living right where God wants me to live, yet I'm not experiencing what it is I think I should be experiencing. It's the house of bread, and there's no bread. There's a famine in the land. There's, there's trouble in the land. Things are not easy in the land. It's difficult in the land. So Elimelech decides to take his family and move from house of bread of praise to, to a, a place called Moab. Moab, the word means wash bucket. It's just like the wash bucket. It's, it's where the Moabites were. It's, it's where um, they worshiped false god. They sacrificed their, their children uh, in, in, in worship of false gods. It means it's just like, you don't go to Moab if you're an Israelite, right? You don't travel there. Well, they decide because there's a famine in Bethlehem, so they're just gonna go for a little while. They're just gonna go visit Moab. They're gonna take their kids. The kids, by the way, Malon and Chilion, their names mean, I'm not making this up, I'm not making this up. Their names mean sick and puny. Now, I don't know if you're looking for kids' names, but my goodness, don't name your kids sick and puny. They're gonna get beat up in school, and that's not good, everybody. So they take their family, and they tell themselves they're just gonna go to, to Moab for a little bit while, while the storm blows over and things get, get better back in, in Bethlehem, and then they're gonna come back. But here's what happens, and it always happens, is they tell themselves they're just gonna go for a little while, but they stay longer than they planned. They leave where God had put them and they say, I'm just gonna go and okay. But they stayed longer than they had planned. And while they were there, while they were there, Elimelech dies. So Naomi's husband, Elimelech dies. While they're there, Malon and Chilion both die. Sick and puny, they're holding on, but they finally, they die. But now watch this, before they die, they marry two Moabite women, Orpah and the hero, that we're gonna learn from, which is really the hero is God, but God working through Ruth, Ruth. Now, listen, Orpah and Ruth are not, these are not the girls you want, your, you're praying that your boys meet someday, parents. They're not church girls. They're not good girls. The Moabite women were, were known for leading uh, men into incestual relationships and are leading men into um, in a, in adultery and leading, leading men into sexuality, leading men into worshiping false gods. And, and it was always told to good Hebrew boys that you don't even associate with Moabite women. Ruth is one of these Moabite women. Orpah is one of these Moabite women. They're not church girls. They're not good girls. But God's got plans for one of these girls. God's eye is on one of these girls. God's heart. And I'm telling you right now, whatever your background, whatever your baggage, whatever, whatever your culture says about you, whatever your history says about you, God's got his eye on you. His heart is for you. His, his heart was for Ruth. His, his, his eye was on Ruth. And God had plans. Well, Naomi hears, it tells us in the book of Ruth, that, that God had once again visited Bethlehem. I mean, you would have just hung in Bread was now in the house of Bethlehem. And they decide, Naomi decides, well, I'm gonna move back. 
And as she starts to walk back, Naomi and Orpah are like, hey, Orpah and Ruth are saying, Naomi, we'll go with you. And so they start heading back to, to Bethlehem. And Naomi turns to them on the road as they're traveling. They do what girls like to do. They get into a good old-fashioned conversation. They're going to talk. And they start talking a whole lot all the way through that first, that first second chapter. And, um, and what she's telling the girls is, listen, girls, listen, you just need to go back. Go back home. Go back to what was. Go, go back to what you know. Go, go back to what's easy. You, you, you just go back. Because Ruth, I mean, you're a Moabite. Or you're, you're a Moabite. I, I don't know if you're really ever going to fit in. What you need to hear from Ruth, friends, is this. Listen, you need to keep moving forward. Even if it is forward from your past. You need to keep moving forward. Because your past, in God's eyes, never dictates your future. Your, your past, no matter how marred it might be, how messed up it might be, how, how twisted it might be, it never, listen, marks you for your future. There may be what you used to be, but in Christ, listen, all things are new. Old things have passed away, he says, and behold, all things are new. Come on, church, amen. Second Corinthians 5, 17, because you're clapping like you don't believe me. It says this, if anyone is therefore in Christ, look at me, are you in Christ? You in Christ, look, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You're a new creation. This isn't Chris Norman version 2.0, upgraded software system and whatever. No, this is Chris Norman, old guy, dead and gone, new guy, here alive and well. I am a, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. This is what God does. It's a spiritual rebirth, right? You're new in him. And so listen, I need you to know, some of you, you feel a little bit like Naomi. You come from a story that didn't start off so well. You come from a past that, that, was, that was kind of messed up got some hurt, you got some decisions, you got some things you did, some things you dabbled in you wish you never dabbled in, you got some things done to you that you wish never happened to you, you got some story, you got some past, some of you come from broken homes, bad mistakes, all sorts of regrets. But you know that in Christ, you are washed, you are cleansed, you are forgiven, you are new. In Christ, I want you to know that no matter what your past, you still have a future. You still have a hope. The Bible says this, that he remembers our sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And you have got to understand that. Here's the hard thing. You have an enemy. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And what he does, what his job is, what, what he loves to do is just to whisper in your ear, you're never gonna be that, you're never gonna go there because of this. You got a this in your life? You got a, you got a broken past in your life? Maybe it's a lot of thises because of these, he'd say. 
And what he always does is try to keep you from moving forward by getting you to look back. You're trying to look forward, but he's always got the rear view mirror right there in front of you where he's always trying to discourage you and accuse you over and over again. He keeps whispering in your ear and he's gonna try to keep you from moving on. And a lot of us think that we're never going to move into all that because we're just too messed up. He'll try to tell you, you'll never be a good father. Well, because you never had one. You never had a good father. You, you, you'll never overcome addiction because it runs in your family. Don't you know? Like, it has just been passed down from generation to generation. You're not gonna break this, this generational thing of, of addiction. You're not gonna, and the enemy's just gonna whisper to you. Why? By get, how? By, by getting you to look back, to look back at all of that. You can never do what God called you to do because the last time you attempted to do what he called you to do, you messed it all up. You dropped the ball. And if you try it again, you're going to drop the ball again. And if you, like, why, look, look, do you see? Look, he's getting you to look back. He's getting you to look back. And can you imagine if Ruth would have just looked back? She never could have dreamed of moving to Bethlehem. She could have never dreamed of the future. That She could have never even walked toward it because she would have been stuck in what was. She would never experience what God had. And I'm trying to get you to set free. Come on, be set free from what was. This is what the gospel does. He sets you free from what was. To the church, he makes this big long list, Paul does, of everything that the church used to be. You used to be this and you used to be that and you, you once were struggling in homosexuality and you once were liars and cheats and you once were, and he, it's this big old long list. He gets everybody in it, everybody. And then he goes, and such were some of you, but you've been washed and you've been cleansed, you've been forgiven. Come on, amen, church? And I'm telling you what, God's got plans. Say it, God's got plans. Say it, God's got plans. And the enemy is always gonna try to keep you from moving forward in the plans by getting you stuck in your past. But we have got to not give up. We keep moving forward from our past, amen? I move forward from my past. Man, you know the Bible is filled with so many people that God used who came from a broken and messed up past? Let me just think about it for a second. I, 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 we have our past and we feel like, oh, you don't know my past. I'm like, have you read your Bible? I mean, you got, you got Rahab. God uses Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. God did that. He used Rahab in a mind. Like, David, I mean, think about David's life. Just for a second, what's your, hold up your past. What is your past? You don't, you don't have to share it with your neighbor. I'm not gonna make you. You got your past, you got all your stuff. Like, hold that up and go, okay, I don't know if God's gonna use it. Okay, let's talk about David. Let's hold up David's past. Okay, so David committed adultery and had a man murdered. Now, I don't know what your past entails, but God took David and said, all right, keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. Eventually, the Bible speaks to David and says that he was a man after my own heart. What does that even mean? What was it in David that, that God would call him a man after his own Here's what God said. He's just a man who won't give up. He's a man who keeps on going. He's a, he's a man who won't quit. He's a man who's willing to move past his past no matter how broken his past. Does anyone get the point? Listen to me. God used David. God used, I mean, come on, God used the apostle Paul. Paul was out killing Christians. Paul was out, he was in, in, sitting there while, while Stephen was being stoned, I mean, to death. And, and God is going like, like, I could use Paul. I could use David. 
Don't you think I can still work in you? Don't you think I can still use you? Who do you think you are to tell God who he can and cannot use? If God's got his eye on you, he's not taking his eye off of you. You just need to hear the gospel. The gospel says you can move past your past. You can move past your past. Someone say, keep going. Come on, keep going, keep going. Keep going past your past. And as you keep going, you gotta keep going Toward what's right. right. That's your second point. Write that down. This is what we learned from Ruth. She goes toward what's right. Now, I already told you that Naomi's sitting there trying to convince her that she needs to go back to Moab. She needs to go back to her old way. She needs to go back to what was. She needs to go back to what's easy. Mate, you don't fit in in Bethlehem and there's nothing for you in Bethlehem and it's gonna be tough for you in Bethlehem. And, and, and she's telling her stories to trying to get her to go back to Moab. Well, here's what Ruth says in Ruth chapter one, verses 15 through 17. Look, Naomi's talking to Ruth, and she says, look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her other gods. Orpah at this point has said, yeah, you're, you're right, Naomi. I'm gonna go back to what's easy. I'm gonna go back to what was. So she, Naomi says to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. Naomi, that is really bad advice, honey. Like, don't be telling the girls to go back. Watch Ruth's reply. Ruth says, don't ask me to leave you or to turn back. Listen to the determination inside of Ruth. She's gonna do what is right. Listen, she says, wherever you go, I'm gonna go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I'm gonna die. And there I'm gonna be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. You guys, Ruth is committed to doing what's right no matter what. She says, I'm all in. She clings to God. And when she says that, Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her and she said nothing more. After that, she's like, I'm, I can't talk to this. It's just a quiet walk all the way back to Bethlehem. Ruth's determined, everybody. She's gonna keep doing what's right no matter what. And I need you to hear me, church. Even though it would have been easier, don't you agree? It had been easier to go to Moab. It had been easier just to, to go back and to what was and what you know and get around all your old family and get around all the old whatever and it would have been way easier for, for Ruth to do that. But Ruth's not looking to do what's easy. Ruth's looking to do what's right. And often in life, everybody, those two things don't always run parallel. What's easiest isn't always what's right. Often what's right to do, aren't you glad you came to church today? What's right to do is sometimes very hard to do. It's just hard to do. But if you're gonna move forward into the plans, God's got plans, you, you gotta do what's right to do no matter how hard it is to do. I mean, how many times you find yourself in one of those situations where what's easy to do is probably not what you should do. Like, it'd be really easy to tell my boss what I'm thinking right now. But what's easy to do is probably not what I should do. It, it would be really easy to do what it is I want to do to the person that cut me off. Whoa. That's what I want to do. It's what's easy to do, but it's not what's right to do. God has not called you and I to do what's easy to do. He's called us to do what's right to do. 
Like, what's just the right thing to do? You know, and, and, and it's not easy to do what's right to do. You follow me? Go on. It's not always easy to go in for counseling. It's not always easy to admit you're wrong. It, it's, it's, it's not always easy to, to remain faithful to something God's called you to do to, to remain faithful. It's not always easy to make that phone call that you need to make, and God's been pushing you to make for a long time. It's not always easy to reach out for help when you need it, but you, you've got to. Come on. I know it's embarrassing, and I know, but we're not here to do what's easy to do. God, what do you want me to do? Even if it's hard to do, my answer is already yes. It's not always easy to remain pure. It's not always easy. Some of you need, you need to draw some boundaries in your life. And it's not always easy to do, but you got to do it. You see, just because it's not easy doesn't mean it's not God. Did you hear me? People look at things and go, well, that's not easy. If God was in it, it'd be easy. Like, try telling Apostle Paul that. You think his life was easy? Shipwreck and abandoned. And it wasn't easy. But it was right. Just because it's not easy, friends, doesn't mean you, you bail on it. You okay, church? You with me? You guys? It isn't always easy. The right thing isn't always easy. But... It's always far better. It always is. It, it always moves you further into what it is that God has for your life. It always, it always opens up the, the territory of his promise and, and his provision and, and his plan every time you're willing just to step in to what's right. You know, I, I remember when I was in, in high school. I'm going to take you way back. Graduated high school in 1994. Went to Redlands High School, actually. And... It caused a lot of trouble at Redlands High School, everybody. I, I knew the principal by first name basis. When, he didn't like it when I called him by his first name. So moving right along. I had a whole crew of friends when I gave my life to Jesus that just were not walking with Jesus at, at all. And I remember I had committed my life to, to the Lord and just had a radical conversion. Like I, I couldn't ignore what it was God was doing inside of me. But I would show up to school and go hang out with my friends during lunch, and they're still talking about the same old dumb things. And, all that. and I realized my friends are not going in the same direction that I am. And I had to make a really difficult decision. It was very hard. But I felt God pushing me to just step away from that group of friends. Now, I want you to say, I had nowhere else to go. It wasn't like I found a youth group I was going to go to, and there was some great church. The only thing I knew about Christians at the time was the, was the, the, the Christian club that was on our campus. And I didn't fit in with them really. I didn't really even like Christians a whole lot. Because I kind of felt like they were clicky and they had their little thing. And I just didn't belong with that crew. I, would come out, I came out of like the little troublemaker crew. And they were all the goody goodies. And I just kind of felt dis detached. But I knew the crowd I was hanging out with, I shouldn't be hanging out with. And I made this really hard decision in my life to cut myself from that. This is back in the day when Redlands High School campus was an open campus and you could drive over to, come on, Baker's, everybody. And you get a, you get a Baker dollar mill. They used to call them a dollar mill. Come on, everyone remember? A buck eight would get you burrito, fries, and a Coke. Believe it or not, eight because of the tax. It was a dollar mill. And I would drive over, my wife would always say, if it's a dollar, you probably should have eat it. It's not worth it. But I would drive over there by myself after I made this decision, by myself and grab my dollar mill and I'd go sit for 20-something minutes, all by myself, first day, second day, first week, second week, first month, second month, third month. And as I sat there by myself, just because I knew I needed to distance myself from my friends, do what's hard. As I sat there, you know what God started doing me? I would sit there, I'd spend time with him, and I would read his word, and I fell in love with God's word. 
I couldn't wait for, I couldn't wait for lunch to roll around because I, no, I'm not gonna hang with my, I'm gonna hang just reading God's word. And I read through the book of James. I memorized the first two chapters of James. I'll just sit there. I'm not, I'm not even going to church yet, everybody. But I'm sitting there by myself and God is starting to grow me and disciple me. I made the decision to, to go. And then all of a sudden, I met some normal Christians. They, they were sort of normal Christians. And they invited me to a youth group. I went to the youth group and I walk in and there's this girl named Tatum there. Come on, somebody. And I'm like, I'm coming back to church, right? And I showed back up to that church because she was there, being honest. And guys, the rest is history. God started doing, I met friends that I still have, I'm still in friendships with today, people who are in ministry that I met in those moments of my life. Found my wife. I'm not trying to tell you, make a hard decision, you're gonna find your wife, but I am trying to tell you, you never know what God is gonna do on the other side of the difficult thing that there is to do. What you gotta do is commit yourself to do what's right to do, and God is gonna do with it more than you could ever think or imagine. It is time for us to continue just to keep going. I'm gonna keep moving past my past. I'm gonna keep moving toward what's right, no matter what it costs me, no matter what it looks like. God, the answer is yes, right? Lord, where are you in this? God, what do you want? I'm just gonna cling to it. Ruth's just all in. It's like, Naomi, you're not gonna shake me. Yes, it'd be easy to go back. I'm not. And if you don't understand it yet, listen, where you die, I'm gonna die. I mean, that's pretty hardcore. And I think some of us just need to get real hardcore about what God's called us to do. So come on, we're gonna keep moving forward, amen? I'm gonna move forward past my past. I'm gonna move forward toward what's right. And you know what's right. Do what's right. And here's the last one I want to give you, and I love this about, about Ruth. You got to keep going. You're going to keep going to the field. Write it down and explain it to you. Keep going because you look at me like, huh? Keep going to, what? Keep going to the field. Write it down. Write it down. I love this about Ruth. Turn to your neighbor and say, get to the field. Get to the field. Come on, turn to the other neighbor and say, get to the field. At this point in Ruth's story, you're thinking to yourself, come on, she did it. I mean, she, she's moved past her past. She's moving toward Bethlehem. She's moving toward what's right, even though it's not what's easy. And oh my gosh, you just think the story is just gonna, the next thing you're gonna read is, you know, all of a sudden, you know, off in the distance as she's walking toward Bethlehem, there rides a mysterious, good-looking man who sweeps her up off her feet. He's on a horse and they ride off to their wedding and it starts raining bread from heaven. They have, ch- I mean, I don't know what you think. Like, you think, she's made some good decisions and all of a sudden things are just going to unfold for, for Ruth. It can be, it's all just going to happen. Some of you think that that's how God works, right? Like you take the step, you take the step and, and now all of a sudden there's a knock at the door with a, you know, like you got a brand new car with a bow on it or a check comes in the mail. That you, I mean, we think, and God does do those things. But Ruth still broke. Ruth still hasn't met Boaz. Ruth, Ruth has, has, still doesn't have any provision. She still doesn't have any protection. Ruth is still in a hard spot. Even though she's made all the right decisions. I think some of us feel like that. Like, God, I, I moved to the city, but it's still hard. I don't God, God, I went to get counseling, but it must not be working. God, I showed up to church. I've been, I've been a couple times now. Come on, right? God, where are you? God, where are you? How come? It, listen, can I tell you where he is? Can I tell you what he's doing? He's working. 
Come on, he's working. You can't see it yet, but he's working. So there's, for Ruth, there's no rider on a white horse. There's no food from heaven. There's no random check in the mill. Here's what I want you to see. What does she do? She keeps doing all she can do. She just keeps going. And I love this about Ruth. You're not gonna stop her. Look what it says in Ruth chapter two, verses two to three. Remember, still broke, still whatever. One day, Ruth, the Moabite, says to Naomi, let me go. I'm gonna keep going. Let me what? Let me go. I'm gonna keep going. Let me go out into the harvest field to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who was kind enough to let me do it. And Naomi replied, all right, daughter, go ahead. And so Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, or it says, and it just so happened, in some of your Bibles it says, that she found herself working in the field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. Listen, everybody, listen. Ruth very easily could have, well, God hasn't shown up and God hasn't done what I thought he's gonna do and God's not moving. But you know what she does? She gets up and says, well, what can I do? You can't hold this girl back. Ruth's going like, listen, all right, all right. No provision yet? That's okay. I'll keep moving. I'll keep going. What do I do? Oh, oh, that, that's all right. There's, there's no breakthrough yet. Things aren't lining up yet. That's all right. That's okay. What can I do? I'm gonna just keep going. My city doesn't know Jesus yet. That's all right. That's, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep doing what God had called me to do no matter what. I'm just gonna keep pressing. So she goes, what can I do? And back in that day, God had given a provision for the poor that they can go into fields and glean. This is like how they took care of the poor back in that day. And so when they would glean a field, a harvest field, they'd leave up to 30% of it for the poor. Well, guess what? The poor then had to go into that field and, and glean that field or, or harvest what was left over in the field. And it was not easy work. It was hard to do. But here's what Ruth does. She says, man, I'm not gonna sit here and just be like complaining about everything. I'm gonna get up and do what I can do. I'm gonna go to the field. Look at me, everybody. Some of you just need to keep going to the field. You just gotta do everything you can do, believing that as you do whatever you can do, God is gonna move you into everything he has for you. She says, I'm gonna go to the field. It's not easy work, but she's going for it with all that she's got. She's doing all she can. And I'm telling you, we need that attitude today. It's a can-do attitude. It's I'm gonna keep going attitude. Let me give you some oaky wisdom as we start to close. My dad always used to tell me, and it just, it's one of those things that comes up in my heart, my mind over and over again. You ready? Gonna write this down. It's very life-changing. Ready? You can't steer a parked car. I can't say how many times I go to my dad and complain, well, this ain't happening. My dad, well, you can't steer a parked car. What do you mean? Stop complaining, get out there and start doing. Stop complaining, get out there and start moving. You can sit in a park car you want, yank on the steering wheel and all this, but you, you're not going left. You're pulling hard, but you're not going left. And I think sometimes God looks down, and he's, like, he's like, God, would you move in my life? And God's like, well, if you'd giddy up a little bit, if you'd, if you'd move, you'd see me move. See, it's not my move, it's your move. And if you get the car moving forward, you're just doing what you can. I'm gonna use the momentum of you doing what you can to move you into where you need to be. You follow what I'm saying? 
And God does it over and over again. Let me talk. I, I have seen story. Let me tell you a story of men who, who come and go, Pastor, because I, I can't find a job. I'm looking for a job. And we go through this season, you're looking for jobs. And here's what's really happening, okay? Sometimes, not always the case, but I've seen. Let me tell you a story. I'm trying to find a job. Uh, it, this one's come up, but it's just below my pay grade. It's a little bit humbling. It's not really what I'm looking for. So I don't want to take that job. I want to take that job. And so all of a sudden, we're not taking all these jobs. God, where are you? God's like, I'm offering you this job. Like, but I don't do that kind of work. I don't do that. And I know story after story of, of men and women who said, you know what? I'm gonna roll my sleeves and just do what God has put in front of me to do with all that I've got. Even if it's below my pay grade and it's not what I was hoping, not what I went to school for. Can I tell you, everybody? I came out of, ah, I'll go there in a second. We gotta close this thing. You go and you do it with all you got. And all of a sudden, as you're working it and you're doing it as unto God, all of a sudden you find yourself with, with more responsibility and, and, and you're, getting, you're getting more of, of education and maybe something that you were never even, uh, even interested before. And you see what I'm saying? And God starts using it, promoting. Now all of a sudden, the things that you've learned here by doing that open up a door to move you over here that you never would have even seen if you weren't doing that. And guys, this is true stories. I have friends that are in organizations overseeing teams and teams of people because they are willing to step in on an entry level over at another company doing something they never even thought. But God said, do it, do it. And they, okay, go to the field, sure. And I'm gonna go and I'm gonna do it with all I got. Can I, when I came, I graduated from Bible college with a degree in theology. And you would think that you're just gonna go and preach at a church somewhere. I was up in Amador County and Tatum did not like Amador County. It was very difficult for us up there. We're fighting all the time, our marriage, and we get to have that. It's another story. Pastor's not perfect. We're trying to figure out our marriage. And to do that, we felt like we needed to move back down to Southern California. So we moved back down to Southern California. And guys, I just had a sense that I wasn't supposed to go and just jump right back into ministry. I was supposed to go and take a job. So I start working at Costco. And I'm pushing carts in the rain at Costco. For God's glory, everybody. For God's glory. I was like, pushing carts in the rain. And, and there they start promoting me a little bit. I'm getting into some different opportunities there. And then from that, I had another friend offer me a job doing sales. And I gave, I gave my whole heart. I was just doing it with all I got as unto God. And, and God started blessing my ability to sell in, in, in the sales force. And they gave me a territory in Orange County. So I moved to Orange County to work that territory. And as I'm working that territory, an opportunity came up at my church, at the church I was going to, to start serving junior high students, everybody. Junior high, I'm working a full-time job and serving junior high students full-time with all I got and the church is giving me zero. I'm doing it as unto God and I did it for a year and a half before they started paying me. They paid me $300 a month just to say thank you for helping out. And pretty soon after two years of doing that, they offered me a full-time job to come in and start helping serve in student ministry. And I did it with all my heart. And you know what? They didn't have enough money just to pay me to do junior high. So I was doing junior high and I was cleaning the toilets. Come on, everybody. Do you get the picture? Just doing all I can, doing all I can. And God started opening up opportunity and opportunity and opportunity. And soon I was an assistant pastor of the church and, and soon God had moved in a way that asked me to, to lead that church. And I, I look all the time and it's when I was doing all I could do, just giving every God, everything I got, he would always use that momentum in my life to steer me into what he had. You following me? Do you know how I learned to teach? It was by showing up at eight o'clock in the morning at a church here locally and it was teaching six junior high students right when I got out of Bible college. No one else wanted to teach the 8 a.m. class. I was like, I'll do it. 8 a.m. I did it for a year and a half here locally. Took them through the book of Romans, everybody. Got out of Bible college. You had to take them through Romans. 
We just kept going, kept going, kept going. The Bible says that a Ruth kept going, she just so happened to go into the field of Boaz. Can I tell you something, friends? This is a really big moment. Big moment. Ruth's out there going to the field. It's hard work. She got scrunching her hair. Hold my earrings. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go to the field. Where are you going? I'm gonna go work. And as she goes, to, it says she just so happened to get to the field. It's a big moment. Like if she doesn't show up in the field that day, my friends, you could tell you can tell the wise men they don't need to go to Bethlehem. You could tell the, the shepherds to stay home because there's no Jesus born in Bethlehem. This is a really big deal. But because she goes to the field that day, she meets her husband, Boaz. She soon's getting married. She soon has got provision. She soon has got protection. She's soon with child. She gives birth to a child. She finds herself in the lineage of Jesus. And because of this moment, Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Jesus would go on to give his life for you and I so that we could be redeemed. This is all going back to this moment where she just so happened to go into the field of Boaz. No, listen. She didn't just so happen to go. She happened to go because she kept going. She happened to go because she kept going. And I'm telling you, there are some things you're gonna look back and go, I just happened to, no. You just kept going. You just kept going. God's got plans. You just keep going. Come on, God's got plans. You just keep pressing. You just keep pushing. You keep believing. You keep going past your past. You keep going toward what's right. And you keep going to the field, no matter what it looks like. And you watch God unfold those plans he has for your life. Come on, the faith to just keep going. Don't quit. You're closer than you think. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us.